Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. I couldn't be happier uh, at this moment, at least, <laughs> well, there are more wonderful things to come, hopefully, but unbelievable. Uh, I couldn't be happier with my choice of introductions there because you just saw shades of Kirby Puckett. <laughs> In 91, as we live to see another day, like the Twins did. And we know what happened the following night. We'll see you tomorrow night. There goes Diggs, and we'll see you in Philadelphia. Minnesota wins 29-24. The Minnesota Vikings miraculously advance over the New Orleans Saints to the NFC Championship game. The second NFC Championship game in the history of Purple Mafia. So here we are. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you for one second, not one second, am I going to sit here and lie that I didn't think the Vikings were going to lose the game because I did think the Vikings were going to lose the game. I think everybody in the building, everybody in the Twin Cities pretty much had it over, but I refused to turn the TV off because there was still that small amount of hope. There was still that timeout remaining, a little bit of time left, hopefully, just something, because it was only a two-point game. There's always a chance. I mean, it's just a two-point game. It's not like we're down by uh, a touchdown and we need a miracle. But then again, we would have got the miracle anyway, which wouldn't have won us the game if we were down by a full touchdown. But situations were just barely <laughs> in reach. And you just saw and heard shades of Kirby Puck at a 91. And you heard a spectacular call by the son of Jack Buck, Joe Buck, call Stefan Diggs. Can we all now lay to rest everyone's frustration with uh, Joe Buck calling Randy Moss's display disgusting when the Vikings defeated the Green Bay Packers in our first ever playoff game against Green Bay. 8-8 eight eight Vikings that backed into the uh, playoffs, and then we got that little win over Green Bay and then got trounced by Philadelphia the next week. Yeah, I don't want to talk about getting trounced by Philadelphia. Donovan Guinaba is not the quarterback. Carson Wentz is not the quarterback. But the Minnesota Vikings will be heading to Philadelphia next week, and we will be talking about that in segment number two, as that will be the, uh, well, that'll be the end of that segment. It'll be the longest part of it, of course, as we'll talk about the other games and other dramatic nonsense that took place during this week. But all of that's going to have to go to segment number two, because segment number one is what it is. It's a, it's a Viking game. So <laughs> we'll talk about the other teams in segment number two. That's what segment number two is all about. This is a Viking game review, just like always. I was literally hanging by a tendon. Just imagine your arm or your knee or whatever. I don't even want to think about that nasty stuff, but imagine no muscle, nothing hanging a tendon on just stepping away from podcasting, at least for a while. I wasn't going to record anymore the rest of the season. I was just sick to my stomach the way things were, the way it looked like. Well, there's the field goal. We get a couple tries. The clock runs out. I mean, I was just too hurt, too 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 much pain. You don't want to get too emotionally attached, this and that, until the championship happens. Then you can let it all out. But still, 
it's not even about emotions. It's just like, why does this always have to happen? Like, you have this thing. You have a 17-point lead. Everything feels just fine. You feel great. You're frustrating Drew Brees into multiple turnovers. And then you still find a way to lose the game. Because, obviously, Drew Brees is a top-five quarterback all time. We know. Uh, the young rookies of New Orleans are endless. I mean, you got an offensive lineman and a crime check from, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. I'm too disoriented right now. I know I have not been drinking. It's a, I don't know, it's something else because it's what it was. This game was something else. Um, there were so many moments where the Saints could have taken this game down. Uh, Mark Ingram was stopped nicely throughout the, throughout the night for the most part, except for a nine-yard gain. Ted Ginn, it felt like he was just going to, uh, it just felt like every single play was going to Ginn and Thomas. Michael Thomas was stopped for the longest time, and then all of a sudden he wasn't stopped. And Josh Hill's making key receptions down the stretch. But nobody stood taller than Stefan Diggs down the stretch at the end. But also, some huge plays throughout the game. The decoy, the, the pass interference calls going our way because Stefan Diggs is just good enough to be able to do that. Jarius Wright showed up nicely in this game, and he made a big reception in that final drive. It was helpful. Uh, Kai Forbath had a 53-yard field goal. Um, I'm not going to do this in order necessarily because, I mean, why do it in order, even though it'll kind of be in order, of course. We'll kind of go over it in order in a sense. The running game was stifled a bit by the by the Saints today. Unfortunately, the Vikings running game not so great against the Saints, and we're going to be facing a pretty tough rush defense against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles next week. And, yes, that will be in segment number two because I can't wait for that to happen. What the heck is this? Oh, they're still showing an ad for Philadelphia and Atlanta. What the hell? Why is that there? It's got to be Philadelphia, Minnesota now. Yeah, whew, boy. Mm. Obviously, the New England and Tennessee game will be like, that game review will be about two seconds. And there's not a whole lot to say. That's pretty much just like, look at a couple stats, and yeah, the Patriots are in their seventh consecutive NFC title game in the 11th of Tom Brady's career. 11th. Only 11, that's all. He hasn't been in that many AFC title games. Just a couple, and seven in a row. And they've won the last two Super Bowls they've been to, of course. So hopefully the Vikings can do a little bit of uh, New York Giants uh, syndrome on the Patriots should the two teams meet, should destiny be on the side of the Patriots and the Vikings. Jaguars in Pittsburgh, that was entertaining. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's stay where we need to be. You know, it looked like everything was going to be fine. You know, we're going to take a nice, sizable lead, run the clock out, and, you know, yeah, we're running the clock out. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, the Saints make the stop in the third quarter when it looked like we're running the clock. And then it's a key drive for the Saints. <laughs> There'll be a bit of Sebastian in this show. Sebastian and I back and forth conversating throughout the game. Kurt back and I con uh, uh, conversating throughout the game. Um, I believe I have a call-in coming in as well. And, of course, yes, Mad Martin's in here, and there's a new one coming in too, so I better make sure I get that going for segment number three. And if somehow I blow it, well, yeah, I can't say I, I, can't say I didn't get it on time because it's there. So here I am confirming my hands up in the air right now. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. What am I saying? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just stunned at what took place. This was a wonderful, wonderful moment in Viking history. The kind of moments that people say don't happen in Minnesota. Well, they did long, long ago for the Twins. Curry Puckett's miracle home run, and of course, the Twins surviving a, a little solid start by St. Louis in the seventh game of the World Series. And in a lot of ways, this game was almost like Minnesota-Atlanta in 91. The, the game itself, uh, you get a nice, solid lead. Everything looks fine. The Twins win game one and game two. And, of course, you cannot compare a second-round game in the NFL to a World Series. I get that. But 
just the emotions and the momentum, the roller coaster, momentous roller coaster, very similar in a sense, where just the way things changed so dramatically in that third quarter. It was so depressing, and the second half was so depressing in a big way. Uh, you'd see Case Keenum throw an errant pass to God knows, and it was an interception, and it was the kind of pass that you saw against the Washington Redskins. And that's when people were like, oh my God, Case Keenum is going to kill us when in games that matter, this and that. But that mojo is what kept us alive as well. Case Keenum had an amazing statement in the huddle with 14 seconds remaining when he said, I'm going to give somebody a chance here to make the, uh, to make a big play, to make a big play. The fact that the ball was caught, the Vikings were already in field goal range, but it's one thing, field goals are funny. It's another when Stefan Diggs is able to just take off and do what he does. And you heard that spectacular play call by Joe Buck, and that's what took place. Uh, so many moments in this game, though, it looked like we were going to lose this game. Obviously, when Snead, there was the play fake, a moment where New Orleans would settle for a field goal, but luckily the Vikings would stop them because the play fake did not work. Uh, Alvin Kamara was wide open. Um, Drew Brees threw the ball to Snead. Snead, you, th- you think he's going to run. Next thing you know, he goes back to pass, and he just barely overthrows Alvin Kamara. Uh, it, was a, it was a good-looking throw, nice spiral, and he overthrew him, so luckily the Vikings survived there. C.J. Ham had one run in the game that led to a first down. That was very helpful. Case Keenum throughout the day. I thought he ran forward more than that, but I guess he was just running laterally. Um, only one official rush forward, and that was when he almost got hit in the head. Luckily, he was able to get down at the last second. Uh, Jarek McKinnon looked a little better than Latavius Murray throughout the game. Murray was stuffed a bit, but luckily still managed to get 50 yards, but never got through other than one play. Pretty much, It was pretty much the two yards clouds of dust sound effect, which I'm not going to enter this time. Uh, Alvin Kamara scared the bleep out of me throughout the night. Obviously, the Vikings, though, stuffing Alvin Kamara late, though, keeping the Saints into a field goal, which Lutz did make. The time, the, the clock management was absolutely key for the Vikings' victory here. And pardon me, I am disoriented. I'm going crazy. But I got to do it now because you got to hear the emotion <laughs> right now, the stunned emotion of this victory. Recording about uh, this first segment about an uh, hour and a half after the game as I was preparing and all that stuff, but also helping my parents shovel in their yard as, of course, I was over there at the moment because I wanted to watch it there and then come back home afterwards. So, yeah. So it took a little time, and plus I needed that hour and a half to get the feeling, the emotions from the fans. Uh, I've calmed down significantly since it happened. Uh, I was going ape crap throughout the game. Uh, at least through the second half. The first two quarters, I was very quiet, kind of had my feet up. I wasn't overconfident. I wasn't cocky. I was cautiously optimistic. I felt good. And it's like, obviously, the Saints have the capability to make a comeback. They have a great quarterback. They have all these weapons. And you think, wow, we're actually shutting this team out. That's, that is damn impressive. Um, Latavius Murray, luckily, did get in the end zone. He put the ball over the pylon. Of course, Forbath made a chip shot field goal when the Vikings couldn't get in. And McKinnon with a nice explosive run on the opening drive for the Vikings as the Saints were kept a three and out on the first time. And it was like the second the second series was a three and out. <laughs> was, was, it was three and out, so to speak, for the Saints. It was ultimately six and out for the Saints. They got one little first down ultimately after that, but the Vikings successful in a big way. Uh, again, Drew Brees throwing a key interception pretty early to uh, Sandejo. That was nice, very appreciated in a big way. And then there was a batted pass from uh, from Everson Griffin, 
which led to another interception that we appreciated very, very much. Anderson Dejo ultimately winding up with the... Yep, and Anthony Barr, that was the one that was tipped from Everson Griffin. That was, you know, had nothing to do with Drew Brees throwing a bad pass. Brees, it was just underthrown in the Sandejo situation. If the ball was caught by Ted Yen, who knows? I mean, that could have been, whew, he could have gone very far. That's the scary part, but luckily Sandejo was there ready for it. But again, that's why Sandejo wasn't behind uh, Ted Yen, because he knew he had a play to make, and he made a big play. And Sandejo was good throughout the game. But then concussion, he's laying flat on the ground and this and that. Then he's walking around, but oh, God willing, hopefully Anderson Dejo will be ready next week or the Super Bowl if the Vikings end up there, obviously. That would be three weeks from now. Uh, Tom Johnson, just spectacular throughout the game. Harrison Smith, very big. But, of course, during the course of that second half, especially the fourth quarter during those those drives by the Saints where they got more conservative, but it was intelligent conservative, and the Vikings were playing back because... Well, keep them in front of you. They had to keep the guys in front of you. You can't just hope to just bat down everything because if the ball does get by, it's over. The game's bleeping over. Uh, Trey Waynes was just freaking awesome throughout the game. Aaron, Eric Hendricks was really nice. Uh, Daniel Hunter, he gets doubled quite often, but then again, he's not the main guy. It's Everson Griffin, and Griffin was spectacular. Linval Joseph did what he could throughout the game. Brian Robinson, a bit quiet. Uh, Terrence Newman was beat on a plate. looked like he had it, and he just did not wind up making the stop, unfortunately. I forget if that was Ted Ginn. Nope, it was to uh, Kamara. Kamara just too fast, and that guy scares the crap out of me. So the fact that this team is done, we don't have to worry about them anymore, it feels great. But to sit here, for me, one second, to sit here and feel, oh, oh they're done. We beat them. I knew all the time, this and that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> The Vikings allowed this team back in the game. And yes, Drew Brees is a great quarterback, and you knew something was coming. Something had to come. You're not going to shut out an offense like this. You're not going to shut out, even though he's the most evil SOB ever, you're not going to shut out Sean Payton's offense. Uh Uh-uh. You know, it's just not going to happen. As arrogant as he is, and Drew Brees, you know, eh, I don't hate him, but I don't like him, obviously. And I know, you know, the whole thing where he had to, he's denying the bounty gate, and I know he's working for the, team that did it, so of course he's not going to say anything, uh, otherwise he's going to wind up on the Miami Dolphins or something, <laughs> you know, before you know it, so that kind of was what that was, uh, Ryan Quigley also had a punt blocked, and that was devastating for the Vikings along the way, the Saints ended up tying the game because of that, again, Case Keenum's interception, key, after right after the Saints score the touchdown, Case Keenum throws an interception, to God knows, I mean, it was just not a good play. I mean, it was forced, and luckily that was the only time that, that uh, Vikings would get a turnover, as Case Keenum would be a bit brash, a bit dangerous on some plays, but nothing bad happened. Most of the time, they ended up being throwaways or, thank God, spectacular plays that ended up leading to something better. Uh, there was a play late in the game, too, that was just drove you nuts, where, it you know, you can't call pass interference on every play but Adam Thielen was interfered with. He was hit well, well, not well before, but about a second and a half before the ball got there, he was hit by Williams. And Williams is going to be a great cornerback in this league, and he already is. And uh, and a poor, uh, <laughs> poor Crowley. He's the other guy. Uh, he's he's the other he's the other cornerback. Uh, Williams, obviously, an up and coming safety for the Saints. They have one stud rookie after another. What an amazing draft for the Saints, or at least the last couple of years. Marcus Williams, yeah, he was an outstanding player throughout the game. I truly feel that Mr. Uh, 
Thielen was interfered with in that play, but unfortunately the call the call was not made. Uh, Ken Crawley was henpicked by multiple pass interference plays, which led the Vikings into the end zone in a fourteen nothing lead, pretty early. That felt damn good. Uh, and again, like I said, Forbath ultimately that was a seventeen nothing lead. Forbath would get the lead, they would get the Vikings up ten to nothing again. A chip shot field goal as the Vikings could not get in the end zone, which always drives you crazy. But it is what it is. Gerald Hodges is on the Saints. That's interesting. Uh, Kamara, though, my God. Uh, mm. uh, Quigley's blocked punt, though. Stuff like that. Uh, the Vikings, luckily, again, solid on special teams in the return department, so you didn't have to worry too much about that. But, boy, the blocked punt was scary, and it was a nightmare. Oh, that's why his average is brought down so low to 31.8, because, you know, Ryan Quigley's not that bad. Uh, Thomas Morstead, what a warrior. Oh, you could tell. He's, uh, I, I don't know if he has a torn abdom- abdominal or what the deal is, but it looks like it. How the heck did he do what he did? And you know what? Good for him. Thomas Morstead, punter, New Orleans Saints. I applaud you. I, I have deep respect for Thomas Morstead. And I felt bad for him as he's walking up the field. Uh, you know, obviously stiff as all get out because, yeah, you're stiff because of the pain. Not because he's stiff necessarily, but because of the pain and the injury. How that guy did what he did throughout the game. He deserves a ton of respect. Uh, the Vikings defense made him work hard in the first half, not so much in the second Vikings playing a little bit more prevent-style defense in the second half. And again, you got to know who you're going up against. This ain't, you know, this ain't, uh, what 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 name can I even come up with? You know, like a, a very young Mitchell Trubisky with receivers that, you know, are so-so, this and that. And a Bears team that's, yeah, they didn't really quit or anything, but they weren't spectacular either. Uh, that was a messy final game of the regular season, but the Vikings defense still kept them way down. Uh, this isn't a Cincinnati team that was a bleeping mess, even though they knocked out the Baltimore Ravens, which is crazy. A division rival, and that's what, how it goes. A stupid division rival can play spoiler and do what they do. Uh, props to the Vikings offensive line today. Cameron Jordan talked about destroying the Vikings. And you know what? He's just saying what he's saying. I, I don't think he's necessarily being a jackass or anything. Obviously, and God bless Steve Jordan, the father of Cameron Jordan. What a great interview he is. He was on multiple people this week. Uh, at least Dan Barrero. Uh, yeah, he was on... Was he on Barrero? Yeah, he was on Barrero for sure. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, he was also on... Um, the Dave... Uh, the Dave Mona, Sid Hartman show, Sid and Dave show, which is more like Mike Max and uh, Sid, but it occurs today was Dave Lee, was the other Dave. Uh, what a wonderful interview he is. Uh, but yeah, Cameron Jordan stuck to only uh, one assist throughout the game. So offensive line, you did a great job. Uh, Mike Remmers was flagged for what what could have been a sure touchdown. Luckily, the Vikings still survived that, and that was nice. Uh, ultimately, Mr. Uh, Latavius Murray getting in on that one. That was nice. Flag for a holding. But other than that, the offensive line was pretty damn awesome. Most of the game, the protection wasn't perfect, of course. But, it, you know, and yes, it got worse and worse as the game continued. But generally speaking, the Vikings offensive line is particularly to Cameron Jordan. That's one of the reasons the Vikings ended up winning the game. Only two official sacks, even though Keenum was hit and hurried about a billion times. And there was a late hit that cost the uh, Saints 15 yards. So that was helpful. Um Forcing Drew Brees into two interceptions was nice, but the three touchdowns in the second half, I guess, are forgivable since we survived the game. They wouldn't have been, but the Vikings survived, thanks to the spectacular play of Stefan Diggs. Six 
six catches, uh, ten targets, and of course some of them were throwaways, this and that, or almost caught, or maybe he should have been called for pass interference And some of them. They're just physical great plays by the Saints secondary, which is going to be a problem for many years. Uh, eventually, Drew Brees will retire, but I, he's not there yet. He's he's proving that he's not anywhere near retiring if he did this well against this defense. But uh, Stefan Diggs, 137 yards officially for the game, and of course the long of 61 yeah, he had a play of 61 yards that, yeah, I think most of you saw by now, or you've at least heard it from Paul Allen, or you've heard the replay from uh, Joe Buck. Wow, what a fun day. Uh, Michael Floyd, again, was the, uh, the touchdown was thrown to him, and then ultimately, no, the whole ground caused the drop, and the ground caused this guy's drop, and the ground caused that guy's drop. Oh, so frustrating, but the ground conveniently did not count, uh, did not go against, uh, I believe it was Ted Ginn again, or was it Michael Thomas, but late in the game, and of course that call was now reversed. Uh, Sean Payton had two challenges go against him, thank God, and they were the right calls. Case Keenum knee was down. They were saying that Case Keenum was already sacked when the call was uh, incomplete pass, as Keenum was able to get rid of the ball and not called for an intentional grounding or any of that nonsense. That was key, and that led to Kai Forbath's extremely clutch 53-yarder. So Viking fans, we can feel good about Kai Forbath, at least for now, because he nailed that 53-yarder. Uh, he did miss one from 49 yards. It was just, you know, you, you just it was a bummer. But luckily, we don't have to think about that. You know, and the whole thing of we would have lost the game by two points, and you know, oh my God. If you blame Kai Forbath for that, though, I think you're sick, especially after the guy made a 53-yarder later. and Because making the big one is what counts. Just like when Tom Coughlin was badgering the kicker on the sidelines when he's holding his head when he missed a kick against the Packers back in the 07 Ice Bowl 2 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, I forget the kicker's name, so I'll just call him the Giants kicker at this point because uh, that's 10 years ago. You know, we got to move a little past that, even though it was good. It was an um, unbelievable game. I can't believe it's 10 years ago, by the way. But, um, hey, he just kept yelling at him, come on, come on, come on, like stop crying. You, we need you. And then the Giants kicker kicked the kick at the end, and they ended up winning the game, and on to Patriots land they went, and they beat the Patriots with, the, with some miracle catches and this and that. Something the Vikings need to do against the Patriots should that happen one more time. Uh, will it be Adam Thielen pulling the ball off the ground? Jerry is right. Uh, too many plays were forced to Kyle Rudolph, particularly in the end zone, but really also you know, in, in in the center of the field as well, or really, well, most of the plays to Kyle Rudolph are to the sidelines. The guy doesn't have nearly the vertical that, say, the likes of uh, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs have. Um, I don't know. I just so, Some of those plays, let's stop forcing it to Kyle Rudolph. If, if it means rushing and sliding for a five-yard gain, so be it. I don't like forcing plays to Kyle Rudolph. It just reeks of an interception. If there's a play to be made to Kyle, go for it. But there were a lot of times there were not a whole lot of plays for Kyle in this game. Obviously, the Saints' defense is extremely fast, extremely athletic, and extremely capable. These guys really came of age this year, folks. Did they ever. These uh, New Orleans Saints' secondary is outstanding. Mante Teo was really good throughout the game as well. Tackle after tackle, and he was valuable. Some key uh, run stops throughout the game. Cameron Jordan, well, you know, obviously he was doubled and this and that, so it opened, it created openings for others out there, so that's part of the game as well. Linval Joseph creates a lot of openings out there, and that helps others, like Everson Griffin, get somewhere to make a run stop or even a pass rush, this and that. Linval Joseph at times, too, he'll have just one arm out and he'll pull the running back down. That's why Linval Joseph is the kind of guy 
him not being in a Pro Bowl is an absolute crime. It truly is. Um, McKenzie Alexander scares me a little bit. Uh, he was okay in the game. He had some good moments. He had some not-so-good moments. And it could have been a hell of a lot better, I think. Uh, Trey Waynes, he got beat uh, a bit late in the game. Xavier Rhodes was beat on a touchdown, this and that. But some of those are the kind of plays, they're just going to happen. Because this Saints team is a very, very good team. A lot of people felt the winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl, maybe even wins it. And you know what? That's what we should stand by. Right now, the winner of this game will go to the Super Bowl and hopefully win it, especially if it's the home team, which was the Vikings, <laughs> which will be coming back should we survive and make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, one way or another, we'll be coming back to Minnesota after the game in Philadelphia next week. One way or another. Um, really appreciate what Tom Johnson was able to do and in a huge way as well. Again, we hope and pray for Mr. Uh, <laughs> Anderson Dejo to recover from any concu concussion protocol. He was ruled out for the game, the rest of the game, after being flat on the ground. That's scary. Hopefully, Sandejo can come back. His value was huge, and trust me, he was missed in that second half as things progressed. Uh, the other one, again, Shamar Stefan, if I didn't mention already, he got his knee tangled up a bit. It didn't look serious, and when they said he's questionable to return to the game, that doesn't sound serious. So God willing, uh, Shamar Stefan, who's the depth guy on that defensive line, will return. Um, really appreciate what he has brought to this team as well. So hopefully a speedy recovery for him, and he'll be back out there when uh, we hit... When we hit uh, Lincoln Financial Park, uh, Lincoln Financial Field, pardon me, as that will be the destination, the following destination for this Minnesota Viking club. An incredible emotional game today. One thing after another. A game that almost wound up in infamy once again. A game that almost ended this podcaster's career, at least for this show. I would have kept doing Brave the Wild and Timberwolves Explosion, but I think I would have stepped away for a couple of days, uh, a couple of weeks. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have came right back. You know, I'm not a Fairweather fan. And you know what? I probably would have just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get back behind the mic. I was too emotional. I'm going to calm down now and come back behind the mic. I would have just maybe been late. Maybe I would have done this Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whatever it is, or finished up the show, whatever, depending on if I finish up this show tonight or not, because I, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I don't know if this show is going to be released on Monday morning or Sunday night. You obviously know by the time you're listening, and you'll, and you'll know why if it's Monday morning, because I just you know said, nah. That type of thing. Um, but this was one of those emotional, crazy games that will be remembered forever. You just wish this was already the NFC title game or the Super Bowl itself. But unfortunately, it was neither. Um, are the Saints the best remaining team in the NFC? Probably. But the Eagles put a pretty good job on those Atlanta Falcons. Now, they did not kick the Falcons' butt, but the defense was very good. So, Okay. Now it's time for the Vikings defense to be better than anything Atlantic did against uh, Nick Foles. Time to force some turnovers, get some sacks, hopefully God willing, and that's basically the case should the Vikings uh, survive Lincoln Financial Park, or field, pardon me, and return back to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, which will look a lot different because it is no longer the Vikings stadium for the next few weeks. With the uh, Philadelphia Eagles winning yesterday, the NFL got their wish because they didn't want to have the smallest window of time to repair that field from a Minnesota Vikings stadium into a Super Bowl stadium. Super Bowl 52 stadium. Well, it is at this moment becoming Super Bowl 52 stadium. I can imagine the NFL officials immediately after that game were like, okay, let's get started. Boom, 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 boom. Just like when the Vikings season ended against the Chicago Bears, when the Vikings crushed the Bears in a meaningless 2013 uh, season mop-up game. The construction began on U.S. Bank Stadium immediately 
when that started. So that's basically because that stadium, they had a limited window to build that unbelievable work of engineering, unbelievable design, unbelievable everything, architecture, off-the-chart stuff. And, well, just two years in, the first year, the team looks phenomenal the first five games, and then things snowballed the way they did. But you could just see evidence. You could see a fingerprint of what was to come. And now, here we are. We're going to the NFC title game again. We are one game away against a Nick Foles-led Eagles team that has a very good defense, a very good running back who was acquired from Miami uh, during the during the regular season. And uh, we are one game against that team in their house from returning to U.S. Bank Stadium just in our second season of existence in that building in our 57 years on this planet. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings, that is, as they were an expansion team. They were not like the Washington Senators that moved and became the Minnesota Twins. They are an original uh, Minnesota expansion team. Almost 60 years in the making. This was one of the most spectacular finishes of all time in playoff history. Not for just the Vikings, but for playoff history. And it was probably the most spectacular finish in Vikings history. Does this mean that the heartbreak is over, this and that? Maybe. This is a very positive sign. Because things like this just don't seem to happen to us very often. In fact, hardly ever. And when it did happen to the Twins, they won championships. And and there it was. So... <laughs> there it was. Kirby Puckett's dramatic Game 6 in 1987. 30 years ago. 30 years ago we'll celebrate on the same soil as the uh, Minnesota Twins did 30 years later here in U.S. Bank Stadium. The site of the old Metronome. Pretty crazy when you sit down and think about that. Those wonderful memories. Memories that last forever. Will these memories be taking place on the same soil of Kirby Puckett? I, I so hope so. The same soil that Kirby Puckett played on oh so long ago. And that wonderful home run took place 26 years ago. Oh, my, my goodness, in October 1991. Mm. Boy, uh, today kind of had a uh, little bit of that feeling. And you hope it can continue. Uh, Case Keenum's got that scrappy 1987 Twins look to him, doesn't he? Doesn't he look like, like a Dan Gladden, like a Steve Lombardozzi? You know, some of you are not old enough to remember, but those of you that are, Sit back and think about that. Dream about that tonight, those wonderful memories. And just imagine that those jerseys are purple this time around. <laughs> that, that's what this felt like. Two more to go, though. We'll see you in Philadelphia. We'll see you in Philadelphia. Um, Will Lutz, obviously, when he made that 43-yarder, it was just curse, swear, curse, swear. But then, of course, things happened the way they did. That's funny how the Vikings just kneeled on the two-point attempt. But then again, that's exactly what you had to do because the Saints had already left the field. Too much excitement. One final stat that was mentioned well after the game was that this was the actual first walk-off touchdown in playoff history. So that's kind of crazy how it literally took place without having to go to overtime or anything. It literally was a walk-off touchdown in the final moments of a game with a team trailing. You have a walk-off touchdown with a team trailing and rising from the ashes, just like the Pruel Mafia show, which it would have come back. Trust me, I wouldn't have completely quit. I would have maybe stepped away for a week or two and just continued the playoff coverage after my emotions calmed down or maybe a couple days. I'm, yeah, so James Beck was wondering, are you going to come back, man? And yeah, yes, James Beck out of the UK. We'll talk to James Beck and those of you in segment number three. But first, we got to talk about the playoffs in the segment number two, the continued playoffs in next week's opponent, the EAG. L-E-S. Oh, boy. Well, we all knew it was coming one of these days, but then when Carson Wentz went out, we thought it wasn't. Well, they made it anyway, and the Vikings made it despite all odds when it looked like it was all over. 
classic Vikings history. The field goal's made, we blow the lead, and it's always the other team. They always make their field goal, and then we can't. But then, of course, Forbath did make that 53-yarder. Maybe we were going to have to count on him one more time, but Stefan Diggs said, not necessary. And Case Keenum said, not necessary either, because he wanted to give one of the receivers one more chance to score a touchdown first, because there was enough time on the clock for that. Thank you, Mike Zimmer. A coach who's obviously not young, but he had to come of age with the clock management because a lot of people even complained about that last year, giving all that time to Matthew Stafford multiple in multiple cases where Stafford would make enough enough out of the time left by Mr. Mike Zimmer. Well, this time the Vikings defense was able to give Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs enough time to pull off what they pulled off today. We'll see you next week in Philadelphia. So let's pass out the awards I almost forgot. Whew, I was about to shut this, this this down and move on to segment number two. Luckily, I never pressed a button or anything. <laughs> Here it is. Oh, did somebody just score? The Wild just took the lead late in the game. All right. Little Minnesota magic continuing here. Minnesota Wild right in the background here. Got that playing. I wish I had it in front of me, but it's I have to turn my head to see it. Let's see. What's going on? What are the Vancouver Canucks doing? Well, that's on them. Oh, nice one-timer on a errant pass from the Vancouver Canucks there, I believe. Yeah, nope. That was a spectacular pass by Parisi, I believe. Nice pass, man. And the Daniel Winnick on the one-timer. All right. Check out Brave the Wild. Okay, a little live coverage there. Kind of live. Live for me, anyway. The uh, Fran Targeting Award is going to Stefan Diggs. He made multiple spectacular catches, drew several... Pass interferences like he always does. Stefan Diggs showed up in the big moment. He backed up some of that talk, some of that excitement, some of that celebration, and even the CenturyLink commercials where he laid out for the grab. Well, you laid out for the grab this time, my friend, and away we go. Oh, my. Yes, he didn't step out of bounds. There was no holding call. No. And there was no offensive pass interference. Stefan Diggs, Fran Tarkington Award, and the most dramatic victory in Purple Mafia history, that's for sure. The history of Purple Mafia, this is the most dramatic victory. Yes, there was the Greg Lewis play, but that was week four in 19, or excuse me, in 2009. That was week four. Okay, this is a playoff game. Single elimination against a very good football team who's got a defense that's really, you, you can see why everyone was talking about the up-and-coming defense of the Saints and why they came of age during the course of the season because a number of them were rookies. I mean, they're not going to be spectacular in their first game. And now they're getting to be spectacular. But the Vikings survive. And Mr. Williams, who obviously was angling behind Diggs on the play, wound up falling, and away Diggs went. Fran Targington Award. Case Keenum, boy, I wish he didn't throw that errant interception, but he is not going to get any... Uh, he, there's no way in hell I'm going to give uh, Case Keenum any Christian Pound Memorial, even though he's wearing the same number. Let's not even think about that. Case Keenum, great uh, great job at the end, great guttiness, and you know what? Hey, you know, survived. Um, you know, just in general, the way... I, I don't really want to complain too much at this moment, about anybody for the Christian Pound Memorial. Kyle Rudolph, I think, could have been a little better in the game, this and that. Latavius Murray couldn't get loose a little bit. Uh, the pass protection was a little better than the run protection in this game, the running plays, this and that. Michael Floyd, he's too little of a factor to really get mad at him. Jarius Wright was so valuable, this and that. Just in general, the frustration, and maybe just Sean Payton, you could give the uh, 
Christian Ponder Memorial for blowing those two timeouts. But hey, you know that that's okay. That that helped. Thank you, thank you. Uh, he he's almost a Fran Targeting candidate because he had two challenges that didn't go his way and rightfully did not go his way. Uh, <laughs> we appreciated that very much. Stefan Diggs's catch, and of course, um, which was a catch. Yes, that never. It was a catch. And or was, uh, and then uh, the again, Case Keenum was his knee down. So thank you again uh, for that. Luckily, uh, Kai Forbath, that kick was pretty damn clutch because there was so much time looking at that replay before Kai Forbath had to kick it again. I mean, he kicked that thing right through the upright, but the whistle had been blown. He kicked that 53 yarder like he was like he was you know like it was nothing for him. It, it was like, like like an old extra point where it was real close. And then he did it again. I mean, you know what, Kai Forbath, you deserve a ton of respect. So, Tristan Tron Memorial, I'll give it to uh, Sean Payton, I guess. Just because, I'm, just because I don't like you, Sean Payton. And I don't think anybody does around here. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Very long first segment, and I think you know why. I think, I think there's a pretty good idea why. Let's talk about Philadelphia and, well, some of the other clubs as well. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Let's look at Tennessee, New England very briefly. Uh, New England won 35-14. That's about it. Uh, Patriots are on their way to their <laughs> their 11th uh, <laughs> AFC Championship game since Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were involved with that club and 7th consecutive. Patriots win. Patriots win. Yep, Tennessee barely made the playoffs and they squeaked past uh, the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs after a wonderful comeback. Tennessee actually led this game 7-0, which is pretty weird when you think about it, late in the first quarter. But the team, the, the Patriots were just screwing around, and then they just kind of took over. They took a nice lead, bliss and that, and they just kept building on it forever and ever and ever. And then the, the uh, Tennessee Titans scored the uh, final touchdown of the game. They just bookended the game, you know, beginning to end. That's the story of the game. The Tennessee Titans scored the first touchdown and the last touchdown of the game. So that's it. Um, other than that, Tom Brady looks... Close to perfect out there. 53 attempts, 66% completed, three touchdowns. It didn't look like much of a game. Uh, Got to commend uh, Marcus Mariota, though. I think he does look promising, <clears throat> very promising, as the Tennessee Titans do improve in the next couple years. They definitely are building something, kind of like the Vikings were back in the uh, 2014-15-ish in Tennessee. Good job. You know, well done season. Uh, nice of them to win their first playoff game. I wish the Vikings won their first playoff game with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and, of course, Mr. Uh, Mike Zimmer in charge. But, well, he's got his first playoff win now. Wouldn't that be something if he was 0-2? It's crazy to imagine that when you think about it. It's not like he coached a bad game, but, sheesh, running into the wrong teams, I suppose. And, of course, a lot of bullcrap luck in that Seattle game. This Vikings very much in position to win that one. Well, we have a playoff win now. <laughs> Under Mike Zimmer and we're off to the conference final. And, of course, a 13-1 season, trying to see if the Wild are going to win this. They went to overtime. Frickin' Canucks, uh, Thomas Bleep and Vanek tied it up with about a minute, two minutes left. Couldn't believe it. But hopefully the Wild end up uh, following the Vikings here. Parisi almost. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Well, ja uh, New England won 35-14. Congratulations. Ja Jacksonville-Pittsburgh, a little more exciting. This is today's game. Of course, we're staying in the AFC. There's only one NFC game to talk about. Other than the one that was the entire first segment, because, well, gee, 
Can't imagine why that one was the whole first segment. No reason. And it was a longer than normal first segment. Pretty entertaining game for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jacksonville Jaguars. Most of you Jaguars fans gotta love those. Gotta love that teal. They're really making the teal and black look pretty good. Uh, interesting uniforms and helmets changes last season. And you know, last year I was I, I was thinking, you know, they look kind of cool, but God, Blake Burles is a mess. And, you know, they've been drafting defense, 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 but it wasn't really coming around. And I remember the Vikings won that game with Sam Bradford last year. And, it was like in December, and it looked kind of like uh, September out there. It looked kind of nice, as you know, it was getting later in the year. Uh, obviously, like, it looked about the same as September does here. Is it, uh, it looked the same the way September does here when it is September compared to, you know, de- December there because it's Florida. Different story. Must be really nice down there around that time of year, but, of course, probably some cold nights here and there and some moisture, and Vancouver just won the game. That blows. Come on, man. You just, ah, screw you. Well, that figures. But the Wild got three out of four points in their little weekend uh, back-to-back. That sucks. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know what the heck. That's a bummer. Well, let's keep moving. Uh, big mess. Uh, Jacksonville able to capitalize on some Pittsburgh turnovers. There was a fumble six in the game, ultimately in the game as well. Telvin Smith recovered and returned at 50 yards for the touchdown, but then was whistled for a uh, taunting call as he pointed to the Pittsburgh uh, player when running back. I don't know if it was Antonio Brown or who it was. I think it might have been uh, Telvin Smith. Uh, Antonio Brown sure likes to celebrate. Uh, Telvin Smith, though, the point, I guess. So they whistled a 15-yard penalty, and the Pittsburgh Steelers took major advantage of that as they are able to cut the, cut the uh, lead in half or, well, not quite. Yeah, kind of. Well, they made it from 28-7 to 28-14. As, uh, yep, that penalty really helped Pittsburgh, gave them good field position, and ultimately the Steelers ended up scoring right before the half, which probably scared a lot of Jaguars fans, as the Steelers did a lot what the Saints did. They kept coming back and making it more and more interesting, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars started making stops again, and then Leonard Fournette started getting free again. As remember, he hurt his ankle at one point in the game. Looked like he was running right through Pittsburgh's defense time and time again. Steelers kept hanging in there, kept hanging in there. No matter how many times Jacksonville would score or something would go their way, Pittsburgh would start responding. And then Blake Bortles was able to complete a huge touchdown pass, 14 yards, where Josh Lambeau was able to nail that one. Lambeau also nailed that 45-yarder like it was nothing, putting Jacksonville up by 10, a very important score. As, again, we like to talk about Gary Anderson late in the game, getting that 10-yard lead, 10-point lead, which was all you need, and then you move on to the next round, which in that case would have been the Super Bowl. Uh, Bortles had some good moments, but certainly not spectacular. He was efficient. 94.1 quarterback rating. It was a fairly fun game to watch, especially if you're cheering for Jacksonville, which I was. Uh, Roethlisberger had an insane amount of yards. Here's, of course, the Steelers were trying to come back throughout the game. 58 attempts. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, fairly quiet throughout the game. He was humongous uh, in the previous week previous weeks, or during the season anyway. They never actually got to win a playoff game. I'm going crazy here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell on the ground, nothing spectacular, but did have a massive receiving game, of course, as Le'Veon Bell looked on much more in that case. He did wind up in the end zone. Antonio Brown, massive game, 132 yards, two touchdowns, seven receptions, of course. Vance McDonald, also very big throughout the game, as he definitely showed his value at the tight end of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huge, huge game for him. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, he's still around. He was a favorite of Al Davis with the uh, the uh, Oakland Raiders years ago. That's kind of funny. Oakland Raiders always looking to look for those speed guys, those speed guys that don't do a whole lot, like Troy Williamson, who was so fast that 
a 36-year-old Brand Johnson overthrew him <laughs> so fast. He's he's fast. Um, no, uh, Ben Roethlisberger was able to get Juju Schuster in the end zone there at the end, which got the Steelers to 42 points, but it was meaningless, unfortunately, for the Steelers. Too much time was off the clock. They had no way to stop the clock throughout that drive. Too many timeouts, uh, throwing the ball in the middle. It's like the Steelers were like, whatever, we're not going to win. And all their fans had already left, pretty much. Jacksonville just did too much. Uh, 45-42, crazy score. Almost 90 points scored in a game with Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Uh, Jaguars, in a lot of ways, remind me of Baltimore. Especially when um, uh, Joe Flacco was really young and he wasn't that good yet. That's kind of what Bortles looks like right now. But Bortles obviously has had more time than Flacco. He kind of stinks. He what is he four years in the league already, and he still stinks. But just imagining it's Flacco when he was a rookie, and Baltimore wanted, managed to get to the conference finals, and they ended up losing to Pittsburgh in that case. But uh, Baltimore looking really good uh, now. They got to go to or excuse me, Baltimore. See, there you go, Jacksonville looking really good, and you never know with that defense, they just might upset the Patriots. Nobody had the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars beating Pittsburgh today, including myself. I thought both teams were good. They had promised, but I thought the, the quarterback would make the difference. Uh, Roethlisberger, though, big turnovers in the game. A fumble six uh, in the game as well. Then we know what a fumble six means. I would hope fumble and recover it all the way to the end zone. Not a good day for Ben Roethlisberger. And remember earlier in the season, the Jaguars annihilated the Pittsburgh Steelers with the several turnovers in that game as well from Ben Roethlisberger. The Jaguars just knew what they were doing. They came in ready to go. It ended up being a bit of a mess, but the Jaguars ended up hanging on. The Vikings, it was a huge mess. They almost didn't hang on, but then make the spectacular play to wrap things up. So, nice. Uh, maybe Jacksonville and Minnesota are destined to play in the Super Bowl. You know, that possibility does exist. The possibility very much exists as far as I'm concerned. Atlanta-Philadelphia, boring-ass game in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Things looked very promising as Philadelphia was getting turnovers and all that. They were turning the ball over. They were struggling. Not a good game starting out for Philadelphia. yet. They still managed to hang in there. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, the former Patriots running back, very recently, he's got a ring, uh, wound up in the end zone, and then Jake Elliott missed the extra point. You're wondering if that would come back to haunt the Eagles. Things always like that managed to do that. The problem with the with the Falcons throughout this game, though, is they just could not get in the end zone. Uh, key opening drive by the Falcons, they looked like they had the, the quote-unquote swagger, they had the mojo to get things done, and they just couldn't get in the end zone on that play. And then later on, before the half, Matt Ryan did find Devonta Foreman on a drive that did complete into the end zone. So luckily for the Falcons, they did get the job done. They had a 10-6 to lead going into the half, which looked very promising. But then Philadelphia started completing a couple passes. Just Nick Foles started completing a little bit here and there. He looked like a very poor man's Drew Brees, I guess you could say, in that sense, as he was completing those little passes that led to first downs which scares me a little bit. Hopefully that won't happen with the Vikings. But I was like, this is not going well if you're cheering for Atlanta. And I was cheering for Atlanta because I would much rather be playing the Falcons in U.S. Bank Stadium next week versus going to Philadelphia. But it is what it is. Uh, we'll be playing a much worse quarterback. But, well, regardless how you want to feel about Nick Foles or Matt Ryan, well, on paper, Nick Foles did better, man. 76%. You know, Matt Ryan had more, <laughs> Matt Ryan's passes had a little more into them. And, of course, the statistic that scared the crap out of me was Matt Ryan and Julio Jones' playoff career quarterback rating 144, including six touchdowns. That's insane and scary as hell. So, trust me, I was scared about that coming into U.S. Bank Stadium should the Falcons have done a good enough job to beat the Eagles on the road. 
Well, the Eagles did a good enough job to beat the Falcons, and they kept the Falcons to only 10 points. That's good, and that shows how good the defense the Philadelphia Eagles are. Case Keenum's going to have to be a little better. Um, obviously, the Saints defense is good, though. This isn't a slouch Saints defense. If it was the Saints defense you saw in Week 1, the Vikings would have won convincingly today. 17-0 would have turned into 24-0, maybe 24-7, and maybe we would have wound up winning the game. The way the Vikings offense was efficient at times today, something along the likes of 35-14, 35 35-21, 31-14, 31-17. The Vikings would have won pretty convincingly today, though, against that defense, I gotta think. Um, Eagles defense is definitely a threat coming in, so it's absolutely something to talk about, something to fear. They kept, uh, well... The Atlanta running game did a good job, uh, but they couldn't do much because they were behind in the second half, and that was unfortunate. But in the first half, Tevin Coleman did a hell of a job. I mean, only 10 rushes, managed about 8 yards to carry, almost 80 yards throughout the game. Uh, Jay Ajay scares me a little bit, a little bit, because he got those key first downs. Uh, he fumbled early in the game, and that helped Atlanta's cause, but Atlanta did nothing with it. Or they just went up with a, with a field goal. Woo-hoo. Um... That's too bad that Atlanta could not get in the end zone early. That cost the Falcons. It really did. If they could have scored a touchdown early on, that probably would have sent things going in the right direction. Julio Jones did manage to get 901, or excuse me, 901 yards. Nine catches, 101 yards. Uh, lots of plays attempted in his direction. Not all of them completed, and no pass interference called, particularly late in the game when you thought Julio Jones was mauled a bit late as the referees swallowed their whistles on that final drive by the Falcons, who were literally... They were they were fourth and goal, you know, first and goal, this and that. Very good chance the Falcons could have won that game still, but Julio Jones was mauled a bit late in the game. Or not in goal, but in the red zone. The Falcons ultimately do not get in, and the Eagles' defense won the game at the end of the day. Uh, Jay Ajayi does scare me a little bit. He does, again, getting those key first downs, but at the same time, only 3.6 a carry against an Atlanta defense that's better than it used to be. It's not the garbage heap that Teddy Bridgewater torched to no end in his uh, career opening game in U.S. Bank Stadium. But at the same time, I mean, I'm a little worried. A little worried, obviously. Um, Jay Ajayi, but, you know, but that's a good sign that, again, they did a good job on him. Uh, Jay Ajayi making key receptions also along the way, 44 yards. So definitely major threats there offensively. Uh, those short passes, that's what got the Vikings today. As obviously you want to stay behind the guy so they don't make the big play. You know, you want to believe that the Eagles aren't going to make a big play against the Vikings. you got to believe that that is the case. But it's going to be a close damn game because the Eagles' defense is damn good. Uh, J.H.I. can get those key first downs and move the, the chains. And Elshon Jeffrey just got a massive uh, extension, and he's looking good. 61 yards on four catches in the game. He did what he needed to when it mattered. Didn't get in the end zone, but again, 61 yards. He was solid, again, against an improving Atlanta defense with Dan Quinn as coach, of course, who was the coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, he, he had pieces to work with, but he still was a pretty damn good coordinator. And he coached the Falcons to a Super Bowl last year. So, hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, all kinds of threats defensively for Philadelphia. Of course, I named most of the threats already when it comes to the uh, <laughs> when it comes to the, the offense. It's not the scariest offense ever without Carson Wentz. And again, that's helpful, I suppose. We can't get too... Uh, Ah, John Gruden hiring Tom Cable. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> that's all. Oh, well. But let's get to business with the Philadelphia Eagles and what they are, what they're all about, of course. 
Yeah, I mean, they were a huge threat during the course of the season. Uh, they've been very good on the ground. Uh, obviously, they had a good offense again. And it's all different because Nick Foles is the quarterback versus Carson Wentz. Uh, Nick Foles, though, still very accurate. I remember years ago, we had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions when Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. So, shoot, uh, he's got... Uh, He's got some ability, does Nick Foles. He's not a nobody. I remember uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Paul Charchain wanted Nick Foles in the uh, on the Vikings last year to back up uh, uh, to back up Teddy Bridgewater. I'll never forget that one. And hey, you know it wasn't it wasn't the worst idea you ever thought. Luckily, the Vikings wound up with Case Keenum as the backup this year, though. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Jay Ajay's number is not spectacular, but then again, a valuable addition. And of course, you got Legarrette Blunt, who's won a Super Bowl, and he's got the numbers. He's got this. He's got that. He's done a lot uh, during the course of the season. 766 yards on the ground. Only got in the end zone twice, though. The Eagles capable of getting yards, but they don't really get in the end zone a whole lot. Corey Clement has gotten four rushing touchdowns, only 321 yards. But then again, that's not bad. Carson Wentz was obviously mobile. Nick Foles, uh, that's the other good part. He's not as mobile. Carson Wentz actually rushed for 300 yards during the course of the season. So he was a bit of a headache out there for... uh, opposing pass rushes. He was able to get loose a lot, and that's what helped for uh, Carson Wentz's cause, along with the fact he was an extremely good quarterback. 60% completion percentage over the course of the season. He did have 33 touchdowns in the 13 games, only 7 interceptions. Foles right now 5-2, and two, at least during the games during the course of the regular season. And, of course, against Atlanta, very solid. He wasn't great, but it was his efficiency, his solid play. That could be a, a little bit of a pain in the butt coming in. If I didn't think the Vikings were going to win this game, though, I, I didn't think, I mean, if I didn't think the Vikings, if I were to tell you I don't think the Vikings could win this game, I'd be lying. I do think the Vikings can win this game. I do think home field advantage is a pain. I think it's a problem. Uh, with the fact that uh, Philadelphia has home field advantage, I do think it's a problem. The hope is this Vikings defense can force Nick Foles into turnovers and just throwing the ball away, and you hope you can get to the quarterback as well. Um, Boy, you know, uh, Carson Wentz was sacked 28 times during the course of the season. That's not the worst thing ever. So, I mean, obviously the Philadelphia offensive line did somewhat of a good job. I mean, you got to have a decent offensive line to have a 13-3 and team and have a quarterback be as good as Carson Wentz was. Uh, Nick Foles, very capable of fumbling the ball, though. I mean, that's a big deal. He's got about 33% more fumbles per game than Carson Wentz in the amount of time he's been out there. So 33% more. The hope is you can, again, draw Nick Foles into key turnovers, fumbling the ball. And, of course, Jay Ajayi can fumble as well. So it's it's obvious. He can fumble the ball, and you hope that he will <laughs> during the course of the season. LeGarrette Blunt seems a lot more steady when it comes to that uh, during the course of the year. Um, he only fumbled once in the season, and it was a loss, though. So that's the good part. All kinds of familiar names. Even Darren Sproles has been on the Eagles during the course of the season. <sighs> Boy, um... What do you do here? It's mm, very winnable game, of course. LeGarrette Blunt scares me a little bit. Jay Ajayi, obviously, man, almost six yards of carry during his time with the Eagles. That That's not good. Almost six yards of carry during the course of the, the limited time he was on the Eagles. And, of course, he was a decent, solid player with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Nick Foles has had good history, bad history. All of his positive history has been with the 
Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, Pat Shermer is not the coach. The one thing that can help is that Pat Shermer is the coach of the Vikings, and you got to hope he's got some pointers, some information on Nick Foles. That could be a huge key because oftentimes the coach is the guy that's more likely to beat the other team rather than the quarterback beating the coach. The coach beating the quarterback is more likely, just like how John Gruden dismantled the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl years ago when he was the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now he's going back to the Oakland Raiders. Of course, John Gruden coached the Raiders for years, couple years, not too long, got the big deal with Tampa, and he beat the crap out of the Raiders in the Super Bowl because, obviously, his knowledge of his former team was big. Nick Foles' knowledge of the Philadelphia Eagles, this time you don't have an offensive line that's dying literally on the field. Not not literally dying, but, well, getting their butts kicked. Um, Jake Long going in there when he was literally put, picked off the couch days ago. Not weeks ago, days ago. You put him in there in a key play on the goal line and that wound up in disaster. You don't have that situation happening. Thank you, Lord Almighty. There were no key offensive line injuries today and we pray to God that'll continue the next two weeks. Two weeks, not just one. Next two games here for the Minnesota Vikings as I do think the Vikings can and will win against the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Pat Shermer's knowledge of the Philadelphia Eagles is important. Please <laughs> give us everything you got over there. That was defensive. Obviously, the guy calling the defense is Mr. Mike Zimmer. And I got to think the conversation has been long and very knowledgeable back and forth between Zimmer and Pat Shermer, the soon-to-be former offensive coordinator. He'll probably head to Arizona, and we'll see what happens when things go. But obviously, no announcement has been made yet. Let's get that ring first. Get that ring, and then, well, we'll worry about who the offensive coordinator is after that. I'm definitely not against Daryl Bevel, by the way, uh, returning to Minnesota. That I don't know. A lot of people don't like the idea. I don't know what they're ticked off about with that one. Um, Philadelphia, it's like they're not a dazzling defense, but, God, they're good. Oh. Uh, Nigel Bra- Bradham has the most tackles during the course of the season with 88, this and that. Patrick Robinson's got the most interceptions, but you got several other players with multiple INTs. Four interceptions for Robinson, three for McLeod, three for Jalen Mills. Uh, nine and a half sacks for Bra- uh, Brandon Graham. It's not like New Orleans, though, where it's just one guy was way up there and everyone else is kind of way down. Um, but in general, nine and a half for Graham. Fletcher Cox, 5.5, son of the former uh, Bear and all that years ago. Um, Chris Long, that's a familiar name, of course, as well. Five, point, uh, five sacks during the course of the season. Not the sexiest numbers, but they just get the job done. I mean, they really <laughs> get the job done defensively during the course of the year, and they did a, they did a number on that Atlanta team. Uh, a team that's not been the same this year, though. Obviously, totally different offensive coordinator, this and that. They've not been the same. The same mojo, the same pizzazz you saw last year from Atlanta that was almost done. They were just slicing through everybody except New England when it mattered in the second half of the Super Bowl, which, well, you got to win that game when you're ahead in that situation. I'm sorry, you got to put the boot on the throat, even if you're playing against the greatest ever. Finish the damn job when you're up by that much. Um... They did a good number on the Eagles and this and that, uh, on the other birds. The dirty birds, the soaring birds beat the dirty birds and hope the birds are not soaring too much. The Eagles, that uh, Vikings do a good job with this one. It's going to be a very, very fun game. We're going to continue our history here. Stefan Diggs, this and that. Can we get the job done against this Eagles team? Yes. Will it be a low-scoring game? Yes. Does it have a Mike Zimmer signature to it? Yes. Will Nick Foles be frustrated, flustered, and uh, will Nick Foles' numbers be anything like last year, last week's? No, they will not be anything like last week's. Will we frustrate Nick Foles? Yes. I think that's going to be one of the main keys. Obviously, if Philadelphia can't score, they can't win the game. Um, and the Vikings, obviously, there's going to be a struggle to score, but I do believe we have more 
weapons and luckily a healthier uh, offensive line, healthier wide receiver situation, obviously. More depth wide receiver. Kyle Rudolph will make key plays during the game. I think he'll have a better game against the Eagles than he did against the Saints today. That's got to be hopeful. We're hopeful with that with the young linebackers of the uh, New Orleans Saints frustrating the crap out of uh, <laughs> out of Kyle Rudolph and, of course, forcing Keenum into some very risky plays that could have killed us. Um, that's obviously the key, though. Turnovers are the biggest key of all. Keenum had a... Had a some dangerous passes today. Luckily, wound up with only one turnover, and the Vikings managed to survive by the skin of their proverbial teeth. The Vikings, I believe, will win a low-scoring, gutted-out, old-school game on the ground. I believe the Vikings can absolutely run on this Eagles team, even though the Eagles' defense has been good. Well, I like what Freeman was able to do against this team. I'm not sure that uh, Murray or McKinnon were as good, are as good necessarily as Freeman of Atlanta. Uh, Coleman, not Freeman, Coleman of Atlanta, but um, I get those guys mixed up for obvious reasons. <laughs> Son of a gun. But uh, I, I, McKinnon's obviously going to continue to be a big key, and that's the hope here, McKinnon making those key moves. He was very impressive today in the in the time he was out there. Very, uh, very, very impressed, but of course Latavius Murray getting those key first downs like he did today. He did get a couple, and of course the goal line smashes into the end zone are a major key in this game. Uh, there will be a lot of back and forth, this and that, and of course the quarterback of uh, it was some good play calling last time around by Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles. They got the job done. They know what they're doing. This and that, the short yardage plays. It's going to take a lot of smash mouth, bat the ball away, this and that. Uh, Xavier Rhodes and Alshon Sheffrey, uh, Trey, Trey Waynes, on Zach Ertz, <laughs> this and that. Uh, it's going to be an interesting back and forth between these guys. And you hope and pray that um, Terrence Newman can be healthier than this last game. And, of course, his age is a factor. We all know that. Uh, Anderson Dejo's health is huge. But if, uh, man, but if it's going to be Anthony Harris, it's going to be Anthony Harris, and we'll have to go from there. Uh, we'll just have to hope for the best. Uh, J. Ron Kirst obviously was out there and did a solid job in the time he was a, he was out there. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how things go with Anderson Dejo and very key. I'm not too scared of Nick Foles, but of course, very scared against uh, Tom Brady, of course. <laughs> and if it comes to uh, Jake Bortles in the Super Bowl versus the Vikings, I got a pretty good feeling about that, even though, of course, the Jaguars defense is scary as hell, and that could be... Uh, a big problem, along with Leonard Fournette, another elite rookie out there. We've had some really nice rookies this year, haven't we? Including Delvin Cook. God rest his season, but welcome back. Delvin Cook next year. Hopefully things can continue, and the Vikings can have a nice, uh, strong season next year as well, coming into that. Uh, again, the improving defense, this and that. This team does have staying power. That's the good part, but next year never comes. Just win now, and then worry about next year when next year comes. That's about all there is when it comes to this. Minnesota Vikings will win the game something along the likes of 21-14. to 14. It's going to be close. It's going to be gutted out. 21-14. Maybe Kai Forbeth makes a key field goal late. Something like maybe we win 17-14, 17-10. Something crazy like that. But it's going to be a lower scoring game. I do not think the Eagles reach 20 points. I would be beyond shocked and furious if they do. And if the Vikings, yeah, give up 20 points against this Eagles team, you better hope and pray we're able to score more than that. It's not going to be easy to do that because it is a good defense. 
And I do believe this Eagles team has no business scoring 20 points on the Vikings. No business. The Saints scoring 20 points on the Vikings, well, again, you know who is the quarterback and the offensive coach, uh, Sean Payton. He is the he is one of the great offensive minds in, in the NFL for the last many years, as much as we hate his guts. <laughs> offensive head coach, of course, Sean Payton. That's what he is. Offensive-minded head coach, of course. Mike Zimmer's defense is going to do a number. On Nick Foles, and I do believe that will be the key to the Vikings' victory in winning their first NFC Championship in 41 years. But the Vikings will win the game, something along the likes of 20 to 7, 20 to 14, 21 14, something like that. Uh, Kai Forbath, continue what you did today. That 53 yarder, awesome, very clutch. The, uh, that was just wonderful, and I appreciate what you were able to accomplish today, Kai Forbath. It was annoying that you missed that 41 49 yarder, but for God's sakes, guys. Get him on the right hash, not the left hash, please. Right hash, right hash, right hash. Right hash when you're going to kick a field goal. And you know what? That's why the pass to Stefan Diggs was to the right, not to the left. That's why you had Stefan Diggs on that side, because if he ended up uh, just making the catch, which would have put the Vikings in field goal range, a potential to win. Even if he didn't catch, Forbath uh, would have had a 44-yard attempt on that play with the catch alone. So that's the cool part. And it would have been on the right hash, which is very helpful. So, there it is. Um, Vikings will win the game very close, but will win the National Football Conference. The Patriots and Jacksonville Jaguars, that is a tough, tough one. Oh, my God, because of what Jacksonville did today. Normally, I would go with the uh, Philadelphia uh, the Philadelphia Patriots, the New England Patriots, very easily over Jacksonville. But the job they did against Pittsburgh today makes me think there's a strong possibility Minnesota and Jacksonville could be in the Super Bowl. I'm... Getting a weird feeling. As great as Tom Brady has been so far, Tennessee did not put up much of a fight, but Jacksonville will. It's going to be different. That's a borderline pick'em. Obviously, history says Minnesota-New England in the Super Bowl, and that'll be very tough, very difficult. Minnesota-Jacksonville, I like our chances against them, but then again, if they're able to beat the Patriots, oh boy, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. One of us, Jacksonville or Minnesota, could be the Denver of this year. The Denver Broncos, the 2015 Broncos of this year. Boy, and I hope it's the Vikings. Um, right now, we'll just go with the natural feeling. I think the Patriots will beat the Jaguars in a very close, dangerous game. 35-31, something like that. Or maybe it'll be more like 21-17, but a very close t- potential type of game. But the Patriots will outlast the Jaguars. And it will be Minnesota, New England in the Super Bowl. And I'm going to continue to say pick them and hope and pray to God that Vikings defense is up for this one. And there's a little miracle, little magic one more time. That'll give the Vikings a Curry Puckett moment. This time more of a Game 7 home run. That never did happen <laughs> for the Twins. That one didn't happen. Uh, we just flat won the game with a uh, just, uh, just with the skin of our teeth again with Atlanta not getting the job done at the end. So that's it. Segment number two. We're already at an hour, and now it's time for fan interaction. Good day, Joey. Um, hope you're well. Let me just say another very good podcast with some great analysis on those wildcard games. So here we are, divisional weekend. Unlike you, I don't feel remotely nervous at this moment in time. I don't know why, but I don't. Um, you look at it. Do you believe in fairy tales? Because this is what it's kind of turning into, isn't it? You've got Case Keenum, the backup journeyman quarterback, who's led this team to 13-3. and three. And you look at the potential lineup in the playoffs. 
we've got the Saints. Or as I prefer to call them, the Cheating Taints. So, we've got Bountygate, Mark 2. January 24th, 2010. Redemption Tour has begun. Let's put these guys to the slaughter. I believe their left guard is out, so that certainly should help our defence on Sunday. And then if the dominoes fall the way they look like they're falling, we will have the Dirty Birds at home. Back to January 17th, 1999, and a missed field goal from a guy that hadn't missed one the whole regular season. And perhaps a suspect Denny Green clock management issue at the end. Beat them. Super Bowl at home. And I hope possibly Pittsburgh. January 12th, 1975, 16-6. Take them on. Beat them. Now, I'm pretty sure... Coach Zimmer and the players don't think of it as a redemption tour. Unlike the Purple Faithful, we're all looking at this and uh, salivating that maybe, just maybe, after 57 years, how time has come. And that Super Bowl will finally come to Minneapolis. Let's face it, I think we deserve the rub of the green after all those years. I might get a little nervous if it's New England in the Super Bowl. Belichick and his uh, machine from New England rolling into Minneapolis. But equally, as a number of people have pointed out, Tom Brady's past 40, and the second half of the season has not been as productive. So, you've got to put your money on us to just do this and believe that fairy tales do come true. Now, like you, I'm still debating whether or not I can get over for a Super Bowl or perhaps even a conference game. But uh, looking at flight prices, accommodation and everything else, whether I can justify that kind of expense remains to be seen. But equally, to be in Minneapolis for a Super Bowl would be a memory of a lifetime. But first, we've got to get past the cheating taints and looking at it. And let's be honest, the defence that Zimmer's built is one of those defences that come around once a decade and truly stifle out other teams. You can go back to Baltimore and what they did with a very sort of suspects offence. Um, and I think our offence is certainly better than that. You, you look at what comes to the table. And I certainly think we can keep them to maybe sub 20 points no team scored more than 19 and that was the taints and that was in garbage time in week one since then it's been pretty phenomenal if I was looking back I think um, teams against us in the last three games and yeah admittedly they didn't perhaps have a lot to play for the average is 5.5 points per game if I memory serves so if defense can get the job done and put 20 points plus on the board I'm very confident um, it's Saturday night here, and um, I don't feel remotely nervous about this, uh, which is strange. I, I think it's very different to previous post-seasons runs that we've had back in 98, you know, 15-1. You kind of felt this team is going all the way. And, you know, you look at 2009, again, the team looked like it would go all the way. But for all those stupid turnovers in the conference game, we would have been in the Super Bowl. This season, completely different. No one, I think, in their wildest dreams expected this team to go 13-3 and and be in this situation. Um, So whatever we achieve, personally, I think it's a a huge bonus. 
And I think they can do it. I, I really believe this team can do it. it. It just feels so different to every other run that we've made at the Super Bowl. I hope I'm right. Anyway, mate, let's enjoy the divisional weekend and skull to get into the bowl. Skull, brothers and sisters. I look forward to a conference weekend rolling up very soon. Hey, Joey, it's Malcolm here, calling you after the Vikings' victory over the Saints. Um, Hopefully, you probably have a lot of interaction on this episode, so I'll make it quick. Just want to let you know that I have been listening all season, every episode. You've been doing a great job. I've just been off social media this year. No other reason than a broken cell phone. So I just want to say, Skull Vikings, what an awesome, miraculous ending to that game. I am still shaking, and it ended about an hour ago for me. So let's do this thing. I know a few weeks ago you said if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, you would just open up the phone lines and let people call in and take however long they want, and oh, man. I had the biggest smile on my face when you said that because it would be awesome to hear all you guys call in and chat about just the thing we've all been hoping and dreaming for. And it would be great for your show, and that would be awesome too. So have a good one, Joey, and looking forward to listening to the episode tomorrow or whenever it comes out. Thanks. Bye. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing the same little, you know, like about a six-minute, like, uh, condensed version of the game, watching that on ESPN again. It's just the emotions just coming back again. It's just unbelievable just watching that during the break here, uh, prepping and waiting for uh, getting everything ready, you know, getting the calls lined up in here. And can't thank you guys enough, uh, Dave Martin, Mad Martin from Northern Scotland, and Malcolm from Northern California there, both Northern in, in a sense, and then here we are in the North and all that and U.S. Bank Stadium. and uh, Yes, things do feel different, Ab- absolutely. And you're getting these Kirby Puckett-like moments here that are, this is different. You know, usually it's the the lucky bounce for the other team or a fumble at halftime that gives momentum to the Falcons or fumble at the bleeping goal line or 41 donut fumbling the kickoff against the Giants. So many stupid things. You know, heck, the fumble at the goal line goes back to 1976 with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Malcolm, of course, is from around that area, Northern California there. But he is a Viking fan, and uh, God bless you. Um, Welcome back, Malcolm. Great to hear from you again. And he was saying it was a broken cell phone and how he uh, has been listening all year. And I I, I was hoping that, and I I was believing. (laughs) Thank you very much for sticking around. And Oh, you guys are so awesome. Like two of the greatest callers of all time there, pretty much, uh, I got to say. Uh, missed, missed Malcolm during the course of the season, but good to know, still around. And Dave Martin, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, um, great thoughts, how it's very, it, it, it is different. It really is. And um, also the whole thought of, yes, wide open, baby. If the Vikings win the Super Bowl, it's going to be more, it's going to be like a production in terms of like the fan interaction is wide open, baby. Call in, call in, call in, call in. It's almost better if you just call in and we just sit back and listen, and that's it. I don't see to sit down and comment, okay, he said this, and he said that, this and that. No, just sit back and listen and enjoy. Just feel that emotion, just like the fan line tonight with the 1500 and such. Um, <clears throat> some of that one is kind of silly because it's like immediate, and some people are a little bit goofy, but you guys are not nearly as goofy. Some of the callers did do like those live radio shows. You guys, a little more 
a little more, uh, you know, going on there, not just, you know. <laughs> you get the idea, though. Uh, just spectacular calls. Thank you so much. And, of course, these shows are going to get longer and longer in course of it. Uh, probably more interaction, more to say also. Hopefully more and more positive things. Uh, one thing of note, of course, is the Vikings have never beaten Philadelphia in a postseason game. Uh, there's the 1981 back in the division champion uh, or divisional round, which was this was, of course. 2004, we remember that. Uh, Culpepper, Vikings were way, way, way undermanned re- for that game. Uh, 2008, I thought the Vikings were way, way, way undermanned for that game. In 1980, it was an old, ba- uh, beaten-down Vikings team with some young players and Tommy Kramer at quarterback in 1980. Uh, that Eagles team went to the Super Bowl. The 2004 Eagles went to the Super Bowl. The Vikings were 8-8 eight and eight that year. Come on. And in 2008, yeah, the Vikings won the division with a 10-6 and six record. Adrian was great and all that, but you had Tavares Jackson at quarterback. You had Gus Rod at quarterback here. You know, the offensive line had some players. Matt Burke was always hurt, uh, this and that. Sidney Rice had a very down year in 2008. I remember he was very good in 07, and then in 08, meh. You know, that team was good. You had the Williams Wall, this and that. You had a good rushing defense. But are you kidding me? Do you think the 08 Vikings are anywhere near this team? Do you, do you think so? Tavares Jackson or Case Keenum, is there even a comparison? Stefan Diggs, Sidney Bleepin Rice, no. Uh, Nate Burleson was okay, but then again, no, that poison pill had already taken place. Nate Burleson already was on his way to, he was already in Seattle, uh, this and that. We could just go on forever. Um, you know, Ryan Longwell is a kicker, but I, I got a good feeling about Forbath right now. He's got this look in his eye like he's going to be okay. Um, and yes, I'm sure it was a teeny bit personal too because Forbath was on the Saints very recently. I believe that was his last NFL team, and it, and it was. So obviously if he's not on the Saints anymore, there's a reason why he's not on the Saints in terms of they let him go. And, well, what's better than knocking them out? Uh, his kick wasn't officially the one that won the game, of course. Yeah, we kind of know that. But it put the Vikings in position to be okay <laughs> in that situation. Oh, Lord, just the emotions coming right back again, and it's not going to go away. You know, I, I love it. It's wonderful. Let's just keep it going. Let's just keep it going, and that's what Stefan Diggs is saying as well. And uh, Ste- that's the other thing. Again, Stefan Diggs, I-, I can see something going on here where, you know, certain players, they're shrinking violets in the postseason. I don't see that out of Keenum and Diggs. I don't see that out of Adam Thielen. Um, all kinds of gamers in the defense and such. I think they could have had a better day, but they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad, and you know you got to know who they're going up against. I mean, there was weapon after weapon after weapon after weapon after weapon after weapon on that Saints def- on the Saints offense and the defense as well. Marcus Williams, of course, went through what he did on the final play, colliding with Crawley, and it just kind of is what it is there. I mean, he's a rookie, and Crawley is just in his second year, undrafted. He's an underrated uh, defensive back, but again, he makes mistakes. And, and Marcus Williams obviously has a spectacular future, and he was the guy that got the interception on a blown play with Stefan Diggs. Underthrown, where this time enough mustard was on that pass. And again, it was a completion regardless. Even if Diggs got tackled, he would have been in field goal range, more than likely. The fear would have been, though, if he was in bounds, they would have had a hell of a time downing the ball. But there was a small chance maybe he would have been able to do it. So, yeah. That's the thing. Regardless, whatever happens, happens there. And the Vikings won the game, so we don't need to worry about whatever happens, happens. It happened, baby. And we move on. Thank you, Malcolm. And, of course, Dave Martin. Spectacular. Uh, Mad Martin's Mad Takes. You are a 
purple gold star forever. I just love you. And Malcolm, thank you so much uh, for coming back. And yes, the phone lines will be open. <laughs> and the you know, I'm sure it'll get bigger and bigger as we keep scrolling. There we go. I just did it. <laughs> Raise your hand if you did the skull thing with uh, Case Keenum at that moment at the end when they were lining up for the quote-unquote two-point conversion, which is just a kneel down. Were you doing it? Were you? <laughs> and yes, I posted my dad on the Purple Mafia page doing it because I had to. I wanted to get both my mom and dad there because you know, they invited me over to watch the game there. Uh, I wanted to get both on, but my mom just won't do it, so whatever. Let's get to the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. James Beck out of the UK retweeted the most recent show, as did others. UK Minnesota Vikings retweeted. I believe Vince Germano did. Uh, he, he did somewhere, but it always, it's just, just lost in the mix here. I don't know why people's retweets get lost in the mix sometimes. It's kind of goofy, but that's Twitter for you. Uh, Mad Martin says, how's your weekend? Ready for a dirty birds victory? No worries here. It's time to win it all. And God, all darn it, it is, you know. Gosh darn right. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to say. I wasn't going to curse there, and I didn't. Had, I almost did accidentally. Uh, Mad Martin says, are the refs going to try to keep the Eagles in this game? Oh, they did. They kept them in the game all right. Some some lame calls or non-calls in the Eagles and uh, Falcons game. Uh, UK Minnesota Vikings says, deer in headlights comes to mind about the whole keeping them in the game. I think you, your hate for the Saints is great. Smash them. And yes, how could your hate not be great for the Saints? Um, at least Sean Payton seemed pretty gracious in defeat, though. He didn't make an ass of himself, so that's good. Um, Man Martin says, the only thing that disappoints me is that Drew is still in the game. Am, am I mean? Ooh, and that was six hours ago, of course. Here we go. Yeah. Man Martin says, feeling good now. Here's a stat since 2015. The Vikings have held a lead of 10 points in 28 games. 10 plus points, 28 games. They are 28-0 in those games, and boy, to think. Well, okay, we're 29-0 because we, well, we didn't hell, hell hold the lead, though. That's the thing. So I don't think that, I think that did end today. But I guess if it's going to end, it might as well end in a game we win, I guess. And then we can start a new one and wrap things up. Ah, oh, looking at all these scary teams. But it's like you think of all the teams that have won championships and all the good franchises out there, they all have championships. I mean, and, and even the bad ones. How many teams have championships and how good the story is at this team? We're, we have, like, the fifth best record in NFL history, basically, at least since the Super Bowl era because we have only existed, well, we existed a couple of years before that, and no ring. We're the only one in that group with no Super Bowl. And it's unbelievable how many other teams much lower than us have Super Bowls at some point or NFL championships like... Cleveland has NFL championships. The Bears, obviously. The Lions have NFL championships. The 49ers will know crap. Super Bowls and all that. Um, the Cleveland Browns, I already said that one. There's so many others. So many teams have had championships in the NFL. It's, it's time for the Vikings to get one. Uh, it, it's time. Um, it really is. And Martin says, sorry for the language. And what a bleeping start. Yep, when it got to be 17-0. to zero. Mad Martin says, Philly, Philly, here we come. Like the whole Dilly Dilly. I still don't know what Dilly Dilly even comes from, other than those Bud Light commercials that are kind of funny, mildly. Uh, I was saying I absolutely hate the ground causing a drop rule. It's a terrible, terrible rule. And yes, total BS. Luckily, uh, Jarius Wright did bring that one in. Uh, but there were others that were taken away, and it's so damn frustrating. Mad Martin says, are you enjoying this, brother? Two turnovers so far. This, if so far, is this not sweet revenge? And it was, but the sweetest revenge is that the Saints got heartbroken this time, not us. Yeah, that's sweet revenge, all right. 
Um, if that's not a catch, I'm giving up on football. Again, that was Darius Wright. That was absolutely a catch. How long can they... Uh, yep, the whole thing where they took forever. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Mad Barnes is stressed. We are winning this game now. It's time for a TD and ice the, these bleeps. He says, O-line needs to buck up. People, uh, Purple doing what they do best, putting us all in the ringer. Yep, scaring us. Time for Sam. Two minutes from glory or headache. Glory. Oh, boy, but it took till the last ten seconds, but... Glory. <laughs> and I'm going with Glory bleep the Saints. I'm kind of, I kind of don't blame you. Yeah, when I was saying how I'm about ready to walk away from podcasting if we end up losing this game, the way it looked like we were going to lose the game. Um, yep, Thielen made a big catch. He says, think this game, putting at least 10 years on our age. Oh, and it did. Defense of a decade needed now. And yes, the Saints got into the uh, got the field goal, but again, key stop rather than Kamara running for the end zone, which would have been the end of the game. The game would have ended if Kamara got in the end zone, more than likely. Well, maybe. Uh, Mad Martin says, "Are you digging this?" So how do I sleep after that? I'm buzzing. The football gods are on our side this year. So that is the greatest play in purple history. Well, it's right up there. Uh, he says, "If not, uh, James Beck says, if not the best, it has to be the most important, right?" Well, it's way up there, I guess. Because um, there weren't any like spectacular plays that ended like NFC Championship games or divisional games in the past. Just the Vikings just won those games. They didn't have spectacular plays or anything. So, yeah, that's pretty much like that Kirby Puckett bottom of the 11th inning moment. It really is for me, and that's why I played it on here. Uh, Mad Martin says, I think I'll be watching this game a few times. And Tanay Brown out of New Zealand. Here we go. Jumps in and says, can't think of a better song to celebrate with. And that was Purple Rain, Purple Rain, Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Yes. Yep. And I continue to uh, say that, you know how when the Twins won the World Series in 87 and 91, they had, the big, had a big gigantic font with the Twins colors, like the actual font, like a Twins font, the logo colors, everything. And it said magic in 87, and which it was. And in 91, it said twin credible with that imagine, amazingly close game. With the Vikings, and I think you'll see the purple and everything on the front page of the Star Tribune, it'll say either one of two things. Purple rain, as in rain like kings, not rain like raining rain, like the, like the song. But it'll be uh, kind of a shout out to both. And that the purple rain, as the kings of the NFL, or Valhalla. It'll be one of those two. That's my guess, and I'd be very stunned if it's not one of those two. Uh, Sam Gupta says, they did it. What an incredible last play. And welcome back to the show, Sam Gupta. Great to have you. Uh, he says, I still can't believe what occurred. Simply incredible. One, I was saying one for the ages, and it really was um, insane. So let's get to Facebook. Thank you guys so much for your interaction, though. I mean, God bless you, and whew, it's been a ride, a hell of a ride, and I'm happy to be on it. I don't want it to end. I really don't. Let's not let it end. Let's just not let this ride end. Let's keep riding. Let's stay on this ride. Let's go to that Super Bowl, and let's win it this time. Um, things are a bit different, but hey, you know, now it's Philadelphia. It's no longer, uh, you know, we can enjoy the win right now, but then it's Philadelphia time, and let's win that damn game. Again, let's enjoy it for the rest of today, though, I suppose. Uh, first and foremost, we'll give a shout-out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, I know a lot of you have joined that. Sebastian has joined it, Dave Hickey, others, Mark Carlson. I know a lot of you have joined it, so a worthwhile shout-out. A wonderful Facebook page, and they're kind enough to allow me to post links to Provo Mafia, the Provo Mafia podcast on their page. It's a, it's, a, it's a fair deal for both sides. You know, I appreciate that. 
as I'm sure some people have been listening from that page, and of course a lot of my listeners have joined that page as well. So it is what it is in that sense. Let's see where we can go. Okay, most recent show, which was episode 161, Wildcard Review Division Old Preview. Oh, what just happened? I hit the wrong thing. That is irritating. Oh, it loaded something else. It actually loaded the podcast, which I was not intending to do. Okay, comments. Mark Carlson says, I'm in Mark out of Iowa is where he is from. Mark Carlson says, I am sure this will be another collector's edition of the Purple Mafia show as the NFL moves into the playoffs and the Vikings enjoy the bye. Can't wait to listen. Thank you very much. I hope you did like it. And this one's going to definitely be a memory that'll last forever. Uh, the next post was from me saying the Chicago Bears apparently have chosen Matt Nagy to be their coach. That was uh, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting choice. Only one NFC North Division rival remains as a possible destination for Pat Shermer. And it sounds like it won't be Detroit. So luckily, that, that's not probably not going to happen. Matt Emer out of the UK says, want him anywhere but NFC North. Yes, I agree. Uh, Jacob Ederheim says, if he goes to Detroit, we would likely need to change our offensive system because Shermer will know if we keep the same. If he goes to Arizona, he'll likely try to get Case, Teddy, or Sam to come with him. He can take Sam if he wants. So what is the lesser of two evils? Well... I don't know. I guess Arizona, um, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. I hope we don't lose anybody. Uh, Dave Hickey says, I think Bradford is going to remain injury-prone quarterback so they can have him. I'm kind of leaning in that direction, too. I'd like to keep Teddy and Case, if humanly possible. We'll see what happens, though, as the offseason does eventually get there. It's sad, because I was thinking of uh, the offseason as we were jumping into that 25-second drive that was probably, you know, in my mind, like, well, I mean, luckily, you only need to get in field goal range, and yeah, okay, the Vikings were in field goal range with a Diggs catch, as long as they were able to stop the clock there. Should have, should the magic, the full magic have not happened, but it did. Let's continue. Gerald String, Dave Hickey is out of Iowa. Uh, Gerald String is out of Nebraska. He says, wow, cool. Mr. Let's score 21 and bomb out the rest of the game in front of the home crowd. Hopefully we can continue that magic for the Bears. You give me more of that, please. Hmm, another head scratcher. Bears, Browns, Bungles need their own division, and one other team that I can't really think of who wouldn't fit that group. Any thoughts? And yeah, he was making fun of the Chiefs there, um, and the Vikings almost gave up a 17-point lead, which would have been sickening. So we'll continue from there. I was saying, uh, Case Keenan played well against possible next team, and that was against the, about the Arizona Cardinals. He's played well against the Cardinals. Uh, who's the comment? Gerald String just has a sad face there. Continue, Vikings versus Saints, in-game thread, very active, very crazy, very nuts. Um, let's, let's just read the final stuff here. Oh, yeah, people were sad, too, at the time. You have the emotions of people that were very, very down at the moment. Uh, Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, time to show up now. Uh, Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says, now is the time to prove Minnesota is the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. James X says, I'm not. Wipe and baby asleep upstairs. Hmm. So he's trying to be careful. Kevin Singh says, I bet they're wide awake now. It was close. I managed to... Oh, yeah, that was after the big play. I managed to restrain myself to only jumping and punching the air. I... You know what I did? I just sat there and was saying, oh, my God, what's happening here? I mean, uh, 
I didn't jump up and down because partially because it's not the championship. It's not a world championship. That's when you have to jump up and down. But then again, maybe not. I was so stunned by the play, I didn't move right away. Like how Diggs just kind of stood staring. That's kind of what I did. That's pretty much what I did, and I got teary-eyed, to be quite honest. I actually got teary-eyed. I didn't cry, but it was close. I got teary-eyed. I, I did. Uh, Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says, Zim, we trust. Carolyn Mary Elizabeth Hansen says, Let's go stop, Breeze. That kick was amazing. No, we have to stop the, the good. Now, now we have to stop the D. Yeah, welcome aboard, Carolyn. I believe that's a first post on here, I think. Uh, Brett McCarthy was saying, damn, why, way too soft on defense. Yeah, because it seemed like the Vikings were just giving the Saints what they wanted in front of them, as long as the Saints didn't make the big play. But again, that proved that proved valuable, as scary as it was. At least we kept the Saints out of the end zone. You know, I mean, I would have pretty much iced things. In fact, yeah. Uh, Josh Beer Henry says, bad play calls and soft defense in the second half have cost them the game. And it sure was heading that way. Um taking some crazy risks, but also some extremely conservative plays, too, like five-yard plays on third and long drive you crazy. You're hoping for the miss, but it didn't happen that often. Uh, Stefan Diggs did draw a lot of missed tackles today, too, and that's a huge reason why he's the Fran Targeting Award, not just because of the spectacular final play, which was what it was. I mean, it was what it was. He's a part of history for the rest of time now, and again, if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, that play will be replayed so many times. Uh, other than the final play call of the Super Bowl, hopefully a much uh, more <laughs> a much more lopsided score in the Vikings' favor should that take place. Then we could do a LeBron James jumping up and down, waving our arms the way he was on the sidelines when the yeah, Miami Heat had a very large lead in the 2012 uh, Game 5 clincher for the Heat. That was pretty cool. Um, Cedric Paulding says, says we need, and Cedric Paulding is out of Mississippi, he says we need to out some pressure on Breeze. He's too damn comfortable in the pocket. Yep. And that was driving me crazy. Like, we had some, but it was seemed like we'd never get the big stop at the end. <laughs> seemed like it. And, of course, the uh, Saints converted a fourth and ten. We That would have been the game right there, and we would have won right there on the spot. But, again, that conversion on, like, with, like, 49 seconds left was heartbreaking, and it led to Lutz's uh, only 40-yarder. It wasn't too hard for him right down the frickin' pipe. I was saying I'm not I'm not not sure I'm even going to do a show. I mean I was at that point. Carolyn Marie says, Yep, this sucks. Uh Brett McCarthy says, Don't blame you and Cedric Paulding says Skull. Well, yep, because luckily things changed. And I didn't even click like on Cedric Paulding. There we go. Yep, nice to have Carolyn on board, though. Good, good, thank you. Yep, it's nice to have some some uh, females on board as well, you know, because you're very welcome. You've always been welcome. You know, it's not only about just the guys. Great to have the guys on board. I don't want any of you to leave, but just saying, you know, females don't feel, don't feel like you're not welcome here because you very much are. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Cam Newton making fun of you. All right, <laughs> Cam Newton was kind of naughty, wasn't he? That son of a gun. Uh, Brad McCarthy says, "Damn, wow, speechless." Josh Mayor Henry says, "They need to run the ball more in the second half. They should." have ran the ball before kicking that last field goal to run time up the clock and not give the same time to come back. And that's exactly what I was thinking the whole time. It was only, it was like pass, pass, pass up. Okay, incomplete, uh, out of bounds. Incomplete, out of bounds. Okay, catch. Okay. You know, and, and it's like a minute 40 seconds left. Come on, man. That's too much. This is Drew Brees. This isn't, you know, this isn't Steve Stenstrom of the 98 Bears. The 98 Bears. How many of you remember the 98 Bears? <laughs> I mean, you're talking like 111 yards passing for the whole game, maybe? 
Steve Stenstrom, you know, this isn't Steve Stenstrom. We're in, okay, whatever. We're up by that much. We have a great defense, and Steve Stenstrom's a quarterback, so we don't have anything to worry about there. You know, I was thinking the same damn thing. I was scared as hell. I mean, and you got freaking Kamara. God, that guy drove me nuts the whole game. I'm still just feeling so blessed man, that we won this football game. My God. Oh, <laughs> Josh Bader Henry continues saying play calling and no defense cost him the game. The second half was horrible, horrible. Um, I was saying non-existent. I'm not going to watch another game after this. This is BS. Brett McCarthy says, oh my God. Yeah, because that's when the moment happened. And I typed in what the bleep. But I actually wrote the F word because I was that surprised. I couldn't believe what just happened. And I don't usually like to swear on here, but I just was that surprised. Like, what? That's why I'm telling you I didn't run around jumping and, and going crazy because I couldn't, I, I, I was just at that I, that moment where you're in complete shock. I was like Everson Griffin when he's just grabbing his head. Like, what? There's no way. Did this really happen? Is this a joke? Where's the flag? Where, where is it? Somebody held somewhere or pass interference or he stepped out of bounds, right? Hopefully he'll make the field goal still, you know, Mr. Forbath. Mark Carlson says, boom, boom. And, of course, Mr. Uh, Sean Payton was doing that after his field goal. And that was he was kind of looking at the crowd. Not quite as bad as Brian Billick dropping the FU bomb and the thumbs up. Brett McCarthy says, oh, my God. And I was saying, pardon my French, but that is the most unbelievable thing I have ever seen in Vikings history. Destiny exists. I don't know how. I don't know why, but it happened. Kirby Puckett's home run in the bottom of the 11th. Uh, in the bottom of the 11th, is smiling on us tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling. It really was. Unbelievable feeling. Mm. Trying to click on something, and it doesn't want to work. So, whatever. Uh, James back out of UK says, holy shit, yes. I couldn't believe it. I was, And I told the, the Saints this. My message to the Saints was... Take your heartbreak home, New Orleans, and eat it, you freaking a-holes. I absolutely have no sympathy for your asshole franchise. I couldn't help but because I was in such an emotional state there. I was in a state of shock, and I was in a state of anger at the same time with, how the, with what happened in 09 and the frustration and how it almost happened again. You know, you almost broke our hearts again, and it just, thank God that didn't happen. Josh Beardenry says, holy bleepin' bleep, that was amazing. Brett McCarthy says, oh, F, yeah. James Beck says, are you doing a show, Joey? And yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I was saying, I am. I have risen from the ashes. He never stepped out of bounds. It's all legal, and here we are. Yep, because it was still happening at that moment. Um, just a crazy, crazy moment indeed. Kevin Sting says, wow, congratulations, guys, and thank you very much. James Beck says, Case's reaction as takes crossed the line. Oh, my God. And that is exactly what he did. And then threw his helmet up in the air. And that's what I would do if, say, if the Vikings won the Super Bowl. But that was a Super Bowl-esque type of a moment. Sure. I posted my dad doing skull there. And Kevin Singh says, Are you saying let's go or or it's cold? He was trying to say skull. But but I think he, he was saying... It's like he just didn't seem to understand me when I kept trying to tell him it's skull, not go. You know, because he keeps, you know, he knows it and he watches it. But you know, just the way it was coming out was kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> um, Vikings versus Saints historical postgame thread is right here. Yep, because it's a little different introduction here. Wow, this one got much more busy than it was not that long ago. He says, if this wasn't redemption, I was saying if this wasn't redemption, I don't know what is. I've never seen anything like it. Post away. This is going to be a pretty busy one here, I do believe. Let's back up. 
James Beck says, what a finish. This extra point business is ridiculous. Yelp. Tony Goldman says, and hilarious. I mean, seeing the media all still on the field and Keenum is counting counting Vikings to see if he can snap it. Bizarre. Fun. Yep. <laughs> Justin Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, I'm crying. I lost it. Heidi Howard Greenlee says, me too. Yep. Welcome aboard, Heidi, if you're listening. Kurt Back says, Kurt Back out of uh, uh, White Bear Lake says, I literally collapsed on the floor. I thought for sure 100% we were done. I collapsed too. I collapsed too. That's pretty much what it was. Jeff Froyland says, first I had an ulcer and then I had a heart attack. Uh-huh. Eric Sensman says, Mark Carlson about passed out, I swear. Yep. <laughs> Mark Carlson says, I think the neighbors might have called 911. All the yell, loud yells and unending screaming here. Eric replies with, I can't can't imagine, can't be sleeping now. And yep, I'm still rolling here. Jesse Ball says, revenge is a dish best served cold. Eagles get a plate next week. And that's for damn sure because they've knocked us out of the playoffs three times in history. But again, this is by far the best Vikings team the Eagles have ever played in the playoffs. It's a good Eagles team, but there's no Carson Wentz. And you know what? This Vikings team maybe, probably could beat... Carson Wentz, too. I mean, who's to say? It'd be a hell of a challenge, extreme challenge. But who's to say the, this Vikings team couldn't beat Carson Wentz? It's possible. Um, I think we got to play a little bit better than we did today in order to be comfortable next week, to have any feeling of being comfortable, and especially the following week. Um, it's a steep hill to climb winning the Super Bowl. It is so bleeping hard. We know it all so well, and we're going to, and even when we do win it, we're going to see just how hard it really is. I mean, I when, when you watched Denver as uh, Mr. Mr. Gerald Spring would know, that's his second favorite team. My second favorite team has been the Patriots for quite a while. Um, but uh, the way Denver earned it with that strong defense and then that uh, Peyton Manning didn't get them killed because Osweiler was going to get them killed. That's why they took him out into the postseason. Um that defense was so good, and they earned it. And they, they hung on to that, that seed, and they ended up hanging on and beating the Patriots just barely. Stuff like that. So that's the hope here. Uh, let's continue. Hopefully the Vikings can do it on the road. They're going to they're gonna have to earn it, boy. And I think the Vikings can. Let's continue. Con- Tony Coleman says, Man, the number of sour Packer fans in my feet is both amazing and sad. Leland out of Iowa says, What a finish. Mark Carlson says, All Saints and fans can now go directly. To the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. Yep. <laughs> oh, Tucker Halstrom says, what a way to win it. Tony Coleman says, I still kind of can't believe it. And I still kind of can't believe it either. What an amazing win, he says. Kurt Back is, is back at the house here. He says, first I was crying because I thought we lost. Then I was crying because we won. Yep, same here. I gotta tell you. Tony Coleman is back. He says, I don't know how many of you believe in superstition, but I will say they've never lost while I've been wearing my bar jersey. I got a New Zealand jersey and wore that today. However, I changed into the bar jersey at the two-minute warning. Holy crap. <laughs> That's interesting. Looks like it worked or not. Whatever you choose to believe. Well, wear it next week then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, Heidi Greenlee says, still crying. Wow. Yeah, purple and gold hearts there. Brett McCarthy says, speechless. What a game. What a game. Love this season. Wow, what a game. Fought to the end and without a doubt... Gerald Spring jumps in and says, I'm in room 1998 at Regional Medical Center. Doctor, 
say I need a quadruple, triple bypass surgery and a new pair of underwear and should be fine in a couple months. Damn, I'm getting too old for this crap. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I'm getting too old and I'm I'm only 38 in comparison. You know, some of you guys are older. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was saying that when we were losing when we were losing that game. I said, I'm too old for this. I, I, I was furious. I was about to walk away from this. And I would have came back because that's how I am. I always get mad. I get emotional and then I come back. Let's continue. He says, historic win. How many of those have been on the other side? Yes, all of them, pretty much. Crazy nuts. That was fantastic. Seems like a lot of our good wins were like blowout wins, that are, you know, on the road, whatever, but never something like this. Uh, Tony Coleman, or just a cute little win against uh, the Giants when we were just a meh team back in 97, when Dennis Green finally won a playoff game, but then, oh, 49ers next, and then it was like 44 to 21 or something. Whatever. So, let's continue. Tony Coleman posts an image of it's Minnesota Vikings with Case Keenum up there. It says, first team to reach conference championship in the year, they host the Super Bowl. Yep. Super Bowl hosts to win playoff game. 2016 Texans, one wildcard loss division. 98 Dolphins, one wildcard loss division. 94 Dolphins, one wildcard loss division. So, we're in the conference. Cool. So, those teams actually won wildcards, but other than that, yeah, there's like nothing. Um, other teams, like say the Vikings in 92, 91, actually. It was the 91 season, but it took place in 92, the Super Bowl itself. Uh, Vikings did not make the playoffs that year. Uh, Mark says, what? And th- this is an epic season, Tony. Gerald Spring says, digs for Tarkington and then president in 2025. Yeah, possibly, huh? <laughs> yep, 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 that's possible. Hee <laughs> hee, there's a little hint to that, but I, I, I agree with you, Gerald. If I, yep, I, I know what you're hinting at, and I agree there. Uh, Diggs says, <laughs> notice I was 2025, not to, uh, 2020, wink, wink, <laughs> or 2024, I should say, but that's okay. Uh, Mark Carlson says, up the steepest slopes we go, hard work, one mistake will cost the lives of many. Focused on one goal, working as a team. The last game was a real cliffhanger, and boy, wasn't it ever. Cedric Paulding wraps up this section, says, I'm still in shock. Great win. I couldn't breathe for like a quarter and a half. Yeah, man. Unbelievable, wasn't it? <sighs> Unbelievable. Looking for visitor posts. Gerald String wraps up the section saying, just made this Andy Griffin giving Cam Newton some advice. Yep, that one was a funny one. <laughs> back in the day with Opie and all them. Back in the good old days with Andy Griffin. That's cool. I like that one. I'm um, going to give a quick shout-out, though, or a quick... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be rude and forget, uh, as it's probably by the time you're listening here, it'll be uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I don't want to be rude and forget about Martin Luther King on today. So especially, you know, it's nice to have a day off and everything. And, we, we, you know, it's good to give remembrance to a man that he wanted to unite this country. He did. And I'm going to give him respect here. I'm going to give him a moment of silence. Thank you, MLK, for your vision of unity. And uh, we uh, honor you on this day. So, God bless. Um, that should do it for the fan interaction and such. i got to look to pass out the awards now, and it's it's like impossible. How, how, how do I even do it? <laughs> how do I even do it? Uh, gold star for this show. It's like, oh, my. Oh, 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 oh. I'm going to give it to three people. How about that? Super generous, right? Both of the callers, Malcolm and... Uh, and uh, 
Mad Martin. You're both going to get the gold star, but Josh Mayer Henry is going to share it. He was very active, very intense throughout the game, and awesome. Um, silver stars to... Oh, it's so hard. Uh, silver stars to Brett McCarthy and... Uh, uh, Kurt Back. Kurt Back will get the other silver star. Mark Carlson, Gerald Spring ringing in the bronze once again. Silver-plated bronze stars. There's no bronze here. It's silver-plated bronze. Thank you guys so much for your inclusion. I wanted to give out some good stars today. You guys all deserve stars. I mean, you are the star of stars, and Stefan Diggs today was the star of stars when it came to the Vikings. Spectacular day, drawing the, uh, the penalties, uh, just making people miss, getting first downs that kept drives going, and then making the play that will last a lifetime. And hopefully that will catapult this team to uncharted territory. This team has been to four Super Bowls, so that territory has been charted. There's only one thing left for this franchise, and that is the Super Bowl championship itself. That is the uncharted territory. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, well, we don't need any Mrs. Lincolns right now. We need, <laughs> there's Lincoln Financial Field. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln Financial Field, how was the game for the Philadelphia Eagles? That's what we need to be talking about next week. <laughs> yes, Minnesota Vikings, I think, will close out a close one against Philly. And boy, oh boy, these East Coast games scare the crap out of me. But let's go forward with confidence and belief once again. Uh, let's try to survive this week. Oh, Lord, I'm going crazy. Uh, <laughs> we made it. We're alive. We feel a little better. And now, let's get the job done this time, eh? <laughs> so, I'm going to end this. It's almost two hours, and I'm exhausted. And I think the rest of you are exhausted as well. At least at the end of this game. I'm extremely exhausted. Imagine doing a near two-hour show after all that. And absorbing all that information from the fans. And then, yeah, thank you again, guys, though, for the love you'll bring to this show. That magical ingredient that makes this show special. That makes this show different than any other podcast on the planet. There is, there's, there's just that added little magic ingredient. That's just love. Love, love of you all. So thank you. And, and the love coming back. So thank you guys so much for what you bring to this show. We will be back next week where, God willing, we will be talking about an NFC champion. We'll be talking about a Super Bowl preview in downtown Minneapolis. Destiny awaits. Who knows what will happen between now and then. <sighs> But destiny indeed awaits.